Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, So, of course, we learn more about what took place in this mass shooting. And we learn that uh, they have a red flag law in Illinois. They have strict gun control, assault weapons ban in Illinois. That the killer, before uh, killing, had threatened suicide. That they had been to that house before the authorities. They had removed 17 knives and a sword. That he had posted on social media about threats of murder, mass murder. And as I say, they had uh, numerous prior interactions with him. Makes you scratch your head, doesn't it? Now let me show you the difference. They're not perfect parallels, but a difference. Richmond, Virginia escaped a mass murdering situation. A citizen overheard two men speaking about undertaking a mass attack on July 4th. Just a citizen. And he called the local police in Richmond. They immediately swung into action. They called in, (coughs) excuse me, the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, among others, and they themselves investigated the situation. They went to the house these two were living at and uh, found weapons and 230 rounds of uh, bullets. 
and arrested them. Both of whom are illegal immigrants. Now, the situation in Illinois involves an American citizen, the murderer, and so obviously he was born into the country. Obviously, he had more than one loose screw. The situation in Richmond could have been avoided altogether if we had a secure border and people who come into this country illegally are deported. I've asked this question before, and I'll ask it again. How many people coming into this country are drug dealers, are coyotes, are rapists, are killers, are MS-13 members who've committed other kinds of crimes? We have no idea. None. Now, that is a place, a point of entrance, that, of course, we cannot perfectly secure, but we can certainly secure it more than having an open border, overwhelming the Border Patrol and overwhelming ICE, and changing the rules that were in place to secure our sovereignty and protect the country. That's a big difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. That's a big difference between the Democrat Party and the conservative base of the Republican Party. That in and of itself, you would think, would reduce crime, no? Now, don't get me wrong. We have our own problems internally with citizens. In many cases, we have weak-on-crime judges at the local and state levels. We used to have in California three strikes and you're out. California was a much safer place as a result. And we used to have prosecutors who prosecuted. These things work. They work. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the economy. Got a lot to cover today. I think a lot important to say, and I'm sure you want your input as well. You probably heard about this at some point today. Reuters, more than 5 million barrels of oil that were part of a historic U.S. emergency reserves release to lower domestic fuel prices were exported to Europe and Asia last month. According to data and sources, even as U.S. gasoline and diesel prices hit record highs. You go, what the hell? The export of crude and fuel is blunting the impact of the moves by President Joe Biden to lower record pump prices. Now, that's an overstatement. This would lower record prices for about 13 minutes. Biden on Saturday renewed a call for gasoline suppliers to cut their prices, drawing criticism from Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Because it's stupid. If you own a gasoline station, you're not a billionaire. And you've got the so many of them other sources of income, or at least they try, with these various uh, sales of food and cigarettes and so forth. 
because they only make a couple pennies on the gallon. doesn't matter what the price of a gallon of gasoline is. That's the way it works. But Joe Biden uses Marxist propaganda and ideology to turn American against American and turn criticism away from him. About one million barrels per day is being released from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve through October. That reserve was filled up thanks to Donald Trump, who bought the oil at a very low price. And Biden is just spewing it out to cover up for his failed policies that put us in this position to begin with. The flow is draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which last month fell to the lowest since 1986. U.S. crude futures are about $100 per barrel. Gasoline and diesel prices about $5 a gallon. It remains a critical energy security tool, does this SPR, Strategic Petroleum Reserve. The fourth largest U.S. oil refiner, Phillips 66, shipped about 470,000 barrels of sour crude from Big Hill SPR storage site in Texas to Italy. According to U.S. Atlantic Trade and Marketing, an arm of French oil major Total Energies. Phillips 66 declined to comment on training activity. Cargos of SPR crude were also headed to the Netherlands and to a Reliance refinery in India, an industry source said. A third cargo headed to China. At least one cargo of crude from the West Hackberry SPR site in Louisiana was set to be exported in July, a shipping source said. The latest exports follow three vessels that carried SPR crude to Europe in April, helping replace Russian crude supplies. U.S. crude inventories are the lowest since 2004. Now, how does this happen? Now, I notice the administration has been very quiet about this because they're trying to figure out how to blame somebody else. That's the oil that you, the American taxpayer, has purchased that has been put into the strategic reserve, the strategic petroleum reserve. Now, Biden has released an enormous amount of it. How does it wind up going overseas without the Biden administration slash federal government knowing about it? Well, it turns out they had to know about it. That's how the media get this information. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't we deserve an answer to this? This man is destroying our country. He's destroying our economic system. He's destroying our border and our immigration system. He's excuse me, destroying our security in our country. The rate of crime is through the roof. They're destroying our schools. They're destroying our private institutions, pushing their radical, transgender ideology and models. And the media support them. Here's another piece that I've been meaning to get to. Rush toward green energy has left U.S. incredibly vulnerable to summer blackouts, experts warn. Fox, Michelle Lee, 
excuse me, Michael Lee, every area of the U.S. could be in danger of experienced power outages this summer amid a push to convert to renewable energy sources while taking traditional sources of power offline. Now, they take these traditional sources offline, and they don't have anything to replace it with. There's certainly not enough. And so they think that punishing you with blackouts and brownouts, punishing you by driving up the cost of fuel and electricity massively, will cause you to embrace them and their ideology. How so? I think the entire country is incredibly vulnerable because the entire country is facing a huge energy shortage. And I don't think there's any place that is truly safe. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director at Power the Future, told Fox. At issue are blackouts that could become widespread across the country this summer as grid operators struggle to meet the increased demand of electricity. A problem that has plagued some states for years, but now could threaten much of the country. And Turner said some states are under increased threat this year, especially those that have made political pushes to switch over to so-called sources of green energy. Notice he's not talking about Russia. The areas of the country I'd be most concerned about, he says, are the ones that already have inherent weaknesses. Texas. California, New Mexico, New York, and New England. These are areas whose policies and political decisions have weakened their electric grid. Weakened the electric grid. So we're not even talking about oil and gas or nuclear power. We're talking about the electric grid, which is what the Democrats claim will save the country. But I've been saying over and over again, you're going to have all these plug-in vehicles. You're going to have much more reliance on electricity. And we're not producing more electricity because you're at war with that which creates electricity. Nuclear power, oil, gas, coal. That's what tr- creates most of the electricity in the country. The potential outages come as many states have moved to quickly take plants that produce traditional sources of energy such as coal and natural gas, offline and switch production over to renewable energy sources, which currently do not have the capacity to keep up with demand in a hot summer. This is logical stuff, but we're dealing with ideologues here in the Democrat Party and in the bureaucracy. So what's going to happen? Well, Germany was about five, seven, eight years ahead of us in this switching over to non-existent renewable energy. And here's Breitbart. Germans told to prepare for gas shortages, hot water rationing possible. Now, Germany has the biggest economy in Europe. Berlin, (coughs) Associated Press. Fearing Russia might cut off natural gas supplies, the head of Germany's regulatory agency... For energy, called on residents to save energy and to prepare for winter when use increases. Federal Network Agency President Klaus Mueller urged house and apartment owners to have their gas boilers and radiators checked and adjust to maximize their efficiency. He said residents and property owners need to use the 12 weeks before cold weather sets in 
to get ready. He said families should start talking now about whether every room needs to be at its usual temperature or whether some rooms can be colder. And he goes on. That Germany is now going to do what, Mr. Producer? Use more coal. You see, the Marxist ideology is regressive. It's a throwback. And that's where we're headed. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever. And it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all. Whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus. Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Ladies and gentlemen, none of this is magic. It's really not complicated. It's basic stuff. It's the laws of economics. You produce more, you get more, increase supply, the price goes down or stabilizes. You attack development and production. You attack research. You attack technologies like fracking. The message goes out, particularly if you're the federal government, you have the power over the private sector through taxation, regulation, and audits. Then you get less production, less research and development, less development, that is less fuel, less refining. Production goes down, demand remains relatively consistent. If it doesn't, the economy shrinks. Prices go up. Voila. Unaffordable gasoline, inflation, national security issues. That's what the Democrat Party has given us. And they should be held to account. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today 
at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. When Mark Levin speaks, the backbenchers take notes. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Joe Biden was in Ohio today, and he wants you to remember something, America. Cuts, what is it, 15, go. You all remember what the economy was like when I was elected a country in a pandemic with no real plans how to get out of it. Millions of people out of their jobs. Families in cars, remember, backed up for literally miles, waiting for a box of food to be put in their trunk. What is he talking about, Mr. Producer? We cover the news. What, is that one incident somewhere? I mean, the people around Biden are doing the country no good by being yes men, yes women, yes transitioners. Doesn't do any good. Because he's a liar anyway. So he begins to believe his own lies. The country was in a pandemic with no real plans of how to get out of it. And how did Biden exactly get us out of a pandemic? Anyone know? What was developed under Biden? More people died, as you know, in Biden's first year than in Trump's last year from the virus. And Biden had the benefit of inheriting the vaccines, the therapeutics, and all the rest of it. People were living in their cars, waiting for a box of food to be put in their trunk. Go ahead. Put in their trunk because they didn't have enough to eat. Previous administration lost more jobs on its watch than any administration since Herbert Hoover. That's it a fact. Lose jobs on the watch. It was your Democrat Party governors that shut down their economies. In big blue states like New York and California, like Illinois and Michigan, like New Jersey, big blue states slaughtered their economies. Slaughtered jobs, slaughtered small businesses. That's what happened. Trump didn't do that. Abbott in Texas didn't do that. DeSantis in Florida didn't do that. Noam in South Dakota didn't do that. And on and on and on. So these lost jobs, significantly lost jobs, a number of jobs, were in blue states. And as it turns out, reports are out now that they're recovering much more slowly, if at all, compared to red states. You embrace capitalism, you embrace liberty, things happen. You embrace government, things die. But there he is. I just want you to step step back. Even if you're not an ardent Republican or you don't really despise Biden, what is his (coughs) solution? Excuse me. What is his solution, ladies and gentlemen? What is he going to do? What is he going to do? What he's already done is, has caused inflation, the kinds of which we haven't seen in half a century. 
Same with the gasoline prices, where we've gone from energy independent to this. Now you're thankful if the price has gone down 20 cents, but it's gone up two bucks, two and a half bucks. Go ahead. All based on failed trickle-down economics that benefit the wealthiest Americans and hit the middle class and working people the hardest. There he is, Karl Marx Biden. The wealthiest Americans, the middle class, the poorest Americans. Again, what is he talking about? Inflation is on him. And that hurts the poorest Americans and the middle class the most. He did this. His party did this. The price of fuel. They wanted it to go up. The price of electricity, starting with Obama. They wanted it to go up. How do we know? They said so. They're in control of Washington. They're in control of the media. They're in control of corporate America. They're in control of academia. What's the problem? The problem is their ideology. Well, they talk a good game about the middle class and the poor and try and focus your hate towards wealthy people, whatever that means anymore. It is of no consequence. You cannot solve inflation. You cannot produce more fuel with this kind of propaganda and rhetoric in lieu of real action. And that action means less government. To the extent you use government, you use government to remove obstacles, not to create them. So what obstacles has he removed? None. He's built obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Now, this is a very dumb man. This is a man who I've told you before, both on radio and TV, who plagiarized his way through law school. He's a very dumb man. He was dumb before he lost half his wits. And that's part of the problem. Go ahead. But we came in with a fundamentally different economic vision, an economy that grows from the bottom up and the middle out. What does that mean? An economy that grows from the bottom up and the middle out. See, this doesn't say a thing. It's gibberish. An economy that grows from the bottom up and the middle out. I have no idea what that means. That's just more class warfare claptrap. That's what it is. Now, on the one hand, they want to pretend that they're protecting you from the big this and the big that. On the other hand, his big mouth and his policies, the government's policies and his party's policies, are destroying the country. And remember that when you vote in November and you have candidates spending millions and millions and millions of dollars in the Democrat Party funded by all kinds of dark money from billionaires and millionaires and corporations claiming that they're moderates, trying to distance themselves from Biden. Just remember who they are. Because none of them are moderates. Every damn one of them voted for this. Every damn one of them voted for Biden. Every damn one of them in the House voted for Pelosi to be the speaker. Go ahead. Everyone, because when the middle class does well, the poor of a ladder up and the wealthy still do very well. And that's why. What does this have to do, ladies and gentlemen? We're bringing down the cost of fuel and getting inflation under control. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He steals his tactics from the most brutal of Marxist dictators. 
from Saul Linsky. Personalizing, targeting, attacking. He has no substance, this man. None whatsoever. No brain capacity. As Mr. Producer said to me off air, he not only doesn't learn from the past, he doesn't learn from the present. He's a moron. Go ahead. Dying the American Rescue Plan based on, based on the belief that a recovery should help all Americans prosper. A belief that... Well, working- you're not helping all Americans prosper. You're helping all Americans get poor, you dummy. Go ahead. Power and unions are good for workers and for the economy. What do unions have to do with this? I'll tell you what. Joe Biden, in his first election for the Senate, sold his heart and soul to the unions in Delaware. This is the truth. If you're a union member, I'm not attacking. I'm just explaining what happened. He won that election for the Senate at the age of 29, sworn into the age of 30. He won that election by the skin of his teeth. And he always thanked the labor unions, the teacher unions, for winning that election for him, for getting him across the finish line, for organizing the precincts, for getting him the money he needed. And so for his entire political career, he has felt the need to, quote-unquote, pay them off. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about energy independence. So many of the men and women who work in the oil fields are union members. Many of the truck drivers in this country, not all, are union members. Many of the people who are suffering under this man are union members. Not the public sector, you know, not teachers. They're doing just great. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the private sector. Go ahead. That led to the most jobs created in the first period of a presidency than any time and over in all he American history. He didn't create jobs. His economic, disastrous, depressed economic model did not create jobs. You know what created jobs? We were coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the virus situation. People were going back to work. Not because of anything. Not because of anything Biden did, but in spite of it. Can you name one policy he put in place that created a record number of jobs? No, there aren't any. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. 
For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, there's been so much obfuscation, dishonesty, fog, static thrown around by Biden and his people to try and uh, avoid, escape, evade responsibility and accountability for what they've done. And they've had various arguments over it, various deceptions. They are responsible, ladies and gentlemen. They are responsible. He did not find the economy in collapse. It was growing. He takes credit for work he did not do, for things that happened he's not responsible for. On the other hand, the things he is responsible for, he refuses to take responsibility. So we're not just dealing with a dunderhead, a man who mentally really should never have been anywhere near the Oval Office. And I'm not kidding about that. We're dealing with a man who's way over his head, even in the best of times. Way, way over his head. And people around him who are driven by ideology, radical Marxist ideology, he keeps using the class warfare propaganda. Bottom up, middle out, the rich keep getting richer. Just do your job, jerk. Just do your job. Don't worry about who's getting this and who's getting that. Just do your damn job. Look around. Is anything running properly that the government's involved in, that the Biden administration's involved in? Anything? Anything. The supply chain? We never even heard about the supply chain before. We knew it was out there, but it wasn't of concern. It's collapsed under Biden. The electrical grid doesn't produce enough electricity. What's he doing about it? Absolutely nothing. He's pushing the country toward pulling more demand off a grid system that's not built for it. What's he doing with the strategic petroleum reserve? He's draining it. What is he doing to improve investment? Research and development on fossil fuels. He's killed it. He's killed fracking, the expansion of fracking. What is he doing to secure the border? The opposite. The border's wide open. What is he doing about crime in our streets? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He says he cares about unions in the middle class. Okay, what's he done for unions in the middle class? Nothing. He's harmed them significantly. How about the family? He's put enormous stress on the family. He has signed a half dozen executive orders promoting LGBTQI plus 
Rather than live and let live, he's trying to impose lifestyles on the majority of the American people who do not share them. But beyond that, his NEA and AFT, his NEA and AFT are using our classrooms to destroy your kids' minds, to destroy them. Where's all the the national reports on how well our schools are teaching our kids? You don't even see them anymore. Parents can't believe that they're having to look for alternative forms of education, whether it's homeschooling, whether it's community homeschooling, where parents get together because some have to work and they take turns, whether it's various religious schools. We happen to know a person who's Jewish who's sending her kids to Catholic school. It's what's available, and she does not want them being indoctrinated about CRT and sexualized in kindergarten. And people are struggling to make ends meet. You, we, are the ones that subsidize these institutions, or they'll take our homes away with through property taxes. We have no say. That's what they tell us. What has Biden done to improve the situation? Nothing. He's done things to make the situation worse. And what's he going to do? Blame some foreign country for it all? Blame the rich? The rich have nothing to do with what's going on in our classrooms. The rich have nothing to do with the destruction of our, of our families, thanks to Biden. The rich have nothing to do with the open borders. And I could go on and on and on. This man is not only way over his head. He has embraced a radical ideology. He thinks that will save him. Plus that, the historians told him, will make him a great man. Do I owe you anything, Mr. Producer? All right, good. A lady, I think her name was Carol, called here yesterday. And she said, we need to stop calling it cancel culture. It's cancer culture. She's right on. And Biden and his surrogates in the media are responsible for it. They're not the first. They won't be the last. But they are energizing the unraveling of this society. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I came across a piece a couple days back on Clarence Thomas. And it was written by 
of all people, two individuals who are fellows in sociology at Columbia University. It's a fascinating piece. And I want to share part of it with you, if I may. What the reactions to Clarence Thomas post-Roe reveal about white liberals. I said, wait a minute, where'd this come from? Columbia University? Sociology Department? Which is like the sociology department, you know, the University of uh, of Beijing or the University of Moscow. And they say here, soon after the court handed down its decision in Roe, that is the Dobbs case, some pro-choice advocates began hurling outrageous and overtly racist remarks at the justice by Musa al-Garbai and Paul F. Larsfeld. There were six Supreme Court justices who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, they said. The majority opinion was authored by Justice Sam Alito. But in the aftermath of the ruling, there has been an intense and particular focus on a different justice, Clarence Thomas. Soon after the court handed down its decision, some pro-choice advocates began hurling outrageous and overtly racist remarks in Thomas's direction, including liberal evocations of the N-word on Twitter, often to the acclaim of some other left-aligned whites. Now, the remarks were so ubiquitous that, quote, Uncle Clarence, unquote, you remember Samuel L. Jackass made that phrase, used it, began trending on Twitter, a reference to the character of Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, who has emerged as a symbol of black men who are too uh, uh, subservient to whites. Now, in practice, the term is primarily deployed against black people who strike positions that elite liberals find distasteful. For instance, Uncle Tim previously trended on Twitter after black Republican Senator Tim Scott's rebuttal of President Joe Biden's inaugural address to a joint session of Congress. That's what we've been discussing for years. They don't really care about black people or brown people or women or whatever, unless, of course, they share their ideology. Otherwise, they're bigots. They're racists. In practice, the term is primarily deployed, as we said, against people strike positions the elite liberals find distasteful. In other cases, minorities who violate the preferences and sensibilities of liberals are literally declared to be white. At least insofar as Thomas and Scott are branded as race traitors, Critics still recognize their race. <clears throat> but there's a deep irony in characterizing Thomas as an Uncle Tom or worse, given that prior to pursuing public office, he identified with black nationalism. He's currently married to a white woman and has aligned with the GOP. But as political theorist Corey Robin has shown in his book, The Enigma of Clarence Thomas, his views on race and racial issues have remained highly consistent over the course of his life. Indeed, Thomas' embrace of the Republican Party is consonant with a deep mistrust of white liberals, 
the institutions they control and the policies they try to advance in the name of social justice. And this mistrust was widely shared among black activists of his generation. And it's in keeping with Thomas's Supreme Court decisions, including overturning Roe. If anything, the racialized attacks many liberals directed at Thomas in the wake of the Dobbs versus Jackson ruling confirmed the pessimistic view of race relations that prevailed among many of the black thinkers who shaped Thomas's worldview and is exhibited by Thomas himself. For instance, earlier in his life, Thomas was deeply inspired by Malcolm X. He had a poster of Malcolm X that hung in his dorm room. He memorized many of his speeches by heart, and he continues to evoke him frequently to this day, say the authors. It was Malcolm X, of course, who famously declared that, quote, in this deceitful American game of power politics, the Negroes uh, are nothing but tools used by one group of whites called liberals against another group of whites called conservatives, either to get into power or to remain in power. He argued that white liberals and white conservatives differ, quote, only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful than the conservative. The liberal is more hypocritical than the conservative, I'm quoting Malcolm X. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. By winning the friendship, allegiance, and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a tool, unquote. He was right about that, wasn't he? A 2019 New Yorker profile reported that Thomas also supported Black Panther leader Kathleen Cleaver and Communist Party member Angela Davis, both of whom had been wanted by police. When he was asked at his confirmation hearings what he majored in, Thomas said, English literature. When he was asked what he minored in, he said, protest. The article notes, pointing out that his first visit to Washington was to march against the Vietnam War. And the last rally he went to demanded the release of the two Black Panthers. Quote, I was never a liberal, the article quotes him as saying, in a talk in 1996, I was a radical. Thomas seems to have put on this path by the assassination of Martin Luther King, Jr. King advanced a particularly optimistic view of white liberals and cross-racial advocacy, but in the months leading up to his death, even he was forced to concede that, quote, Negroes have proceeded from a premise that equality means what it says, and they have taken white America at their word when they talked of it as an objective. In contrast, he wrote, most whites, quote, proceed from a premise that equality is a loose expression for improvement. White America is not even psychologically organized to close the gap. Essentially, it seeks only to make it less painful and less obvious, but in most respects to retain it. Most abstractions between Negroes and white liberals arise from this fact, unquote. You notice the constant concern about the white liberal as being the backstabber. The political theorist Robin notes that in the aftermath of King's assassination, which occurred when he was a student at Holy Cross in Worcester, quote, by his own report, Thomas has a realization that nobody's going to do anything for black people. And by nobody, he means white liberals and white leftists. 
By the time Thomas arrived in Yale Law School, he was militant on racial matters and more or less fully disillusioned with mainstream liberalism. Hillary Clinton, who overlapped with him in the early 70s, recently declared that as long as she's known Thomas, he was always filled with, quote, grievance, anger, and resentment, unquote. Unsaid, but critical context, these were feelings Thomas displayed toward white liberals in particular, like Clinton, who dominated Yale at the time and who continue to dominate elite spaces today. Thomas noted in a recent interview that people regularly assume he has difficulties around other black people by virtue of his politics. It's just the opposite, he said. The only people with whom I've had difficulties are white liberal elites who consider themselves the anointed and us the benighted. I've never had issues with members of my race. And in fact, there have been many prominent black intellectuals and leaders whose black nationalists inflected mistrust of white liberals ultimately led him and them to conservatism. For Clarence Thomas, it was the work of black columnist Thomas Sowell that ultimately helped him channel his misgivings toward, quote, white saviors, unquote, into a coherent, right-aligned political philosophy. But black nationalist impulses continue to influence his rulings, they write, in judicial philosophy. For instance, core to Thomas's thinkings, per Robin, is a belief in black self-defense. This commitment undergirds Thomas's staunch support for the Second Amendment. It also plays a role in his opposition to abortion. Thomas has expressed repeatedly that his aversion to abortion is significantly informed by its deep and long-standing ties to racial eugenics programs. It should be noted that these eugenics initiatives were pushed heavily by white liberals of the time, also in the name of helping the marginalized and disadvantaged, and we've talked about that. Thomas has no trust in similar social justice rhetoric being deployed by abortion rights advocates today. Instead, the reactions many contemporary liberals have directed toward Thomas for diverging from their preferred policies on abortion, including an unabashed embrace of racial epithets and slurs, in the name of social justice advocacy, no less, seem to be a clear vindication of his long-standing suspicion that, at bottom, many self-described allies are themselves deeply racist and simply use the black cause as a convenient vehicle for shoring up their own power and influence. What's remarkable is that comes from two fellows at Columbia in the sociology department. But in many ways, that sums it up, I think, accurately. For him, for Thomas Sowell, for Bob Woodson, and so many courageous, patriotic, brilliant African-Americans. They see the left for what it is. They see the left for what it is, as have many former communists, by the way. Many former communists. They break away. They realize what they were participating in. I had a very, very dear friend. Very dear friend. His name was Richard A. Bell, or Rick A. Bell. And he grew up in Pennsylvania, as did I. We became fast friends in 1976 during the Reagan battles in that state. 
And he went into college as a virulent Marxist. Then he saw what the Marxists were doing. Then he volunteered for Vietnam. He was horribly wounded, almost mortally wounded. Shot in the gut several times, and he suffered from that for the rest of his life. He understood the Marxists, the communists within the Democrat Party. He served in the Reagan administration for eight years. He was administrative judge for a decade or more later. And he despised them. He said, I know who they are. I know what they're about. Clarence Thomas knows who they are. He knows what they're about. Tom Sowell and down the list. David Horowitz. He too. And he has spent the rest of his life fighting them. Thank God for these brave Americans. And for African Americans and Hispanic Americans and women, it's even harder. It's harder to step out. It's harder to break from this this corrupt movement of the left because the left tries to destroy you. Clarence Thomas is a brilliant man and he's had to work harder and think smarter than most people because he's had to overcome the racism and bigotry with the American Marxist, the Democrat Party, their media. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Myra Flores is a representative Republican who got elected in an 85% uh, Hispanic district that has been Democrat for 151 years. Now, of course, they're changing the district, so it'll be harder for her to win, but nonetheless, she could in November. And the New York Times does a hit on her. Jennifer Medina. The title of their story is The Rise of the Far-Right Latina. 
We just talked about Clarence Thomas. Representative Myra Flores is one of three Republican Latinas vying to transform South Texas politics by shunning moderates and often embracing the extreme. So if you're conservative and you embrace conservative principles or you support Donald Trump or supported Donald Trump, you're extreme. That's it. Period. For years, Texas Republicans tried to win the Hispanic vote using a Bush-era brand of compassionate conservatism. It was nothing to do with conservatism, quite frankly. The idea was that a moderate's touch and a softer rhetoric on immigration were key to making inroads with Hispanic voters, particularly in Democratic strongholds along the southern border. Such was the Texas of old. The Trump age has given rise to a new brand of Texas Republicans, one of whom is already walking the halls of Congress, the far-right Latina. What a bigot. What a, what a, what a, a, a jerk. This Jennifer Medina and her stereotype, right out of the box. Right out of the box. What's most striking is that Ms. Flores won by shunning moderates, embracing the far right, and wearing her support for Donald Trump on her sleeve. More Marjorie Taylor Greene than Kay Bailey Hutchison. She's a conservative, ladies and gentlemen. You don't need to be throwing in other people's names and all the rest of it. That's what she is. And she was driven to run because she saw what's happening to her country and her community. So rather than celebrate her and celebrate not just racial diversity, but intellectual diversity, now they're out to destroy her. The same New York Times, the anti-Semitic, Holocaust-denying New York Times. Her campaign slogan, God, family, country. Wow, that's radical. That's what Eisenhower once said. He believes in God, country, family in that order. Was meant to appeal to what she calls the traditional values of her majority Hispanic district in the border city of Brownsville. She called for President Biden's impeachment. She's right. She tweeted QAnon hashtags. So now she's part of QAnon, you see. Now, most of us don't have any idea what QAnon is. I sure as hell don't, and I don't waste one second looking into it. But now she's a radical extremist. She's quoting QAnon. She likes Donald Trump. I'm just into three paragraphs here. More when I return. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Mark Levin, the George S. Patton of Talk Radio. 
Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. So I want to go on with this because this is the modus operandi of the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the rest of the corrupt media. Seek and destroy. Using Marxist tactics, using Saul Linsky tactics. So here's a Republican that won a remarkable race in a hugely Democrat district with 85% Hispanics. And the New York Times is scared to death. Washington Post is scared to death. George Soros is so scared that he's bought like 10 Hispanic radio stations, some of which have been conservative in the Cuban community in South Florida. And the Democrat Party in the House and the Senate is pressuring the FCC to approve them as soon as possible. Because they want to counter what is a spontaneous reaction to Democrat rule. A very negative reaction. Where people more and more are voting Republican regardless of their ethnicity. In an interview in her still barren office, writes this so-called reporter, Jennifer Medina, the day after her swearing-in ceremony, Ms. Flores was asked whether she considered Mr. Biden the legitimately elected president. Now, notice they never asked Democrats if they considered Trump the legitimately elected president in 2016 or Bush in 2000. Now, what about Stacey Abrams? She's not pressed about the legitimately elected governor of Georgia, Kemp. He's the worst president of the United States, she said. When asked three more times whether Mr. Biden had been legitimately elected, she repeated the same non-answer. Biden, there was fraud. There's no question that there was fraud. There's been fraud in every presidential election. But in many respects, this was worse from a constitutional perspective, as I said over and over and over again. Because Article 2 was violated, Republican state legislatures were overruled and election laws were changed by elected Supreme Courts, other state judges, Democrat governors, Democrat attorneys general, Democrat secretaries of state, and so forth. The problem is, if Myra Flores were to bring up that, which is unequivocally a fact, because nobody will ever challenge me on it. Have you noticed that, Rich? Nobody challenges me on this. They don't even discuss it in public. The media won't discuss it. Their surrogates won't discuss it. The January 6th won't, committee won't discuss it. Nobody discusses it. Nobody brings it up, except me. But it's a hit job. And here they, she goes on. Two other Latina Republicans, Monica De La Cruz and McAllen, and Casey Garcia and Laredo, are also on the ballot in congressional races along the Mexican border. All three GOP officials have taken to calling them a triple threat, share right-wing views on immigration, the 2020 election and abortion, among other issues. So if you're pro-life, you're right-wing. If you want to secure the border, you're right-wing. If you have questions about the last election, you're right-wing. You're not a constitutionalist. You're not a traditionalist. You don't believe in enforcing the law on the border. No, you're right-wing in the eyes of the New York Times. Right-wing. They share the same advisors, she writes, have held campaign rallies and fundraisers together, 
and have knocked on doors side by side. They accuse the Democrat Party of taking Hispanic voters for granted and view themselves, as do their supporters, as the embodiment of the American dream. As Flores often speaks of working alongside her parents as a teenager in the cotton fields of the Texas Panhandle. So they need to destroy her. And the other two. Because inroads are being made into the Hispanic community. And if the Hispanic community starts to vote majority Republican, the Democrats are finished. Their entire plan for all these decades will have backfired. So what do you do? You smear them. You don't celebrate them, you smear them. And this is one of the reasons I'm hoping, hoping beyond hope, that the Spanish language version of American Marxism starts to seep throughout these communities. There's an entire chapter on the New York Times. I hope, I hope that the Spanish language edition of American Marxism will get out and into Hispanic communities all over this country. Because I think if it becomes widely embraced, it'll be revolutionary, revolutionary in taking back our country, revolutionary in taking back our country from our classrooms to our border to our constitution. You know, people ask me how I got started in radio and they want to know lessons and so forth. I am mission-oriented. Every single thing I've done professionally in my life and every single thing I've even done as a teenager has been directed toward protecting individual liberty and the Constitution, everything. It's in my DNA. I don't know how it got there. It just got there. My parents, I assume. Every book except for Rescuing Sprite, every single book is directed in that mission. Virtually every single broadcast behind this microphone is directed on that mission. Every Life, Liberty, and Levin, every Levin TV is directed on that mission. Everything. Because without it, we're finished. In many ways, it's, it's a burden. I must confess, but it's me. It's what I do. It's how I'm made up. You can ask Mr. Producer. You can ask my wife. I don't get any sleep. Because these things about what's happening to the country, people plotting against the country, the future for our children and our grandchildren, and we have so little time on this earth. These things are stuck with me. And some of my best ideas and thoughts occur at two in the morning, four in the morning, whenever they are. And I don't want to forget them. And as I say, in some ways it's a burden. But it is what I do. It is what I am. 
And so here we have the New York Times predictably conducting itself the way that the New York Times always does. Embracing tyranny, embracing totalitarianism, as it embraced Stalin and Hitler and Castro, while trashing these three Hispanic ladies who are patriots. Who are patriots. Then I have a piece here. Am I caught up, Rich, or not? I've lost track here. I have another piece here from the Washington Post. Who are they trashing? Ron DeSantis. I told you, if it's not Trump, it'll be DeSantis that they attack. If it's not DeSantis, it'll be Cruz. If it's not Cruz, it'll be Cotton. If it's not Cotton, it'll be Pompeo. Right down the list. They intend to destroy the Republicans and whomever the Republican nominee is. Even this clown Romney, who enjoys his celebratory position with the people who kneecapped him during his election. This clown Romney was too much for them. Washington Post has never endorsed in modern times a Republican candidate for president. Neither has the New York Times. So they write this piece. They're scheming to try and turn Trump and DeSantis against each other. But then in the end, DeSantis, you see, is Richard Nixon. This is according to Max Boot, who... uh, who transitioned from a uh, some kind of a conserv a national conservative, I guess they call them, into a putrid sellout leftist. And the title of his piece is "DeSantis is smarter than Trump." That makes him more of a threat. You understand what I'm saying now? People come up to me and they say, "I love Donald Trump. I voted for Donald Trump. If he's the nominee, I'll vote for him again." but I'd rather have this one or that one or the other one. Well, maybe so. I understand it. But don't think that you get the other one, whomever that is, that this isn't going to be a problem. The more I read about DeSantis, he writes, the more he reminds me not of Trump, but of another disgraced Republican president. And who is that? Richard M. Nixon. And I don't mean the Nixon who created the Environmental Protection Agency, implemented affirmative action, went to China, and took other surprising liberal steps. DeSantis has never shown any similar willingness to challenge his base. I'm thinking, he writes, of the Nixon who smeared his opponents and warred with the press. DeSantis seems hell-bent on carrying on the disreputable legacy of Tricky Dick with even less respect for democratic norms than Nixon displayed. Indeed, he wages cultural war with a ruthlessness that recalls Nixon during the bombing of Cambodia. And it goes on. It gets worse from there. This is a head case writing this piece. They hate Trump. They hate DeSantis. They hate us. All of us. Doesn't matter if you're Hispanic or black doesn't matter if you're a woman. doesn't matter if you're a provenly, prove, have been proven a superb governor. They're going to try and rip you to shreds. Because that's what Marxist Alinskyites do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You know, Mr. Producer, I was watching the UFC Saturday night, which I'm wont to do, and I've done for years and years and years. I'm obsessed with it. And I've talked about it in the past, but it got me to think, I haven't talked to Stephen A. Smith on this program in a long time, have I? Why don't you see if he's around next week? I enjoy talking to him. He and I do email from time to time. Oh, you're shocked to learn this? Don't be shocked to learn it. He's a good guy. You can be friends with people with whom you disagree politically, but I find he's not like ideological. He's not a hardcore leftist. He's not this. He's not that. Uh, But he lives his life kind of the way I live my life. My views are on my sleeve. You know, I'm not hiding them. And neither is he. So we're similar broadcasters, I think, in that sense. At least we seem to think so. But uh, I like it. So let's, uh, let's see. I'll be right back. In 2008, Luke's Wings, a nonprofit based in Washington, was formed to support wounded, ill, and injured service members and their families in times of crisis. Designed to bring the love of family to the bedside of catastrophically wounded warriors at Walter Reed, this small organization has proven critical to the well-being of military families across the nation. It has removed one of the most expensive line items during the recovery process, the cost of travel, and has even proven to save lives and save marriages by reducing the risk of suicide and keeping spouses closer. Special lines of effort exist to support wounded warriors, veterans in hospice, fallen law enforcement officers, and the special operators via a formal partnership with Special Operation Command's Care Coalition. Save their number, 512-971-9848. That's 512-971-9848 for emergency travel support anytime, day or night. And help Luke's Wings continue to support those who protect our liberties. Visit lukeswings.org, that's Luke's, L-U-K-E-S, wings, W-I-N-G-S, dot org, to make monetary or mileage donations. To request a flight, that's lukeswings.org. 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Department of Justice is very, very busy. They've sued the state of Arizona to block a state law that requires voters to provide proof of citizenship for some federal life. Now, why would the Department of Justice do that, ladies and gentlemen? Now, this law was to take effect in January. They said it violates the National Voter Registration Act by requiring proof of citizenship to vote in presidential elections or vote by mail in any federal election. The Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, who's a nutcase, she said this lawsuit reflects our deep commitment to using every available tool to protect all Americans' right to vote and to ensure that their voices are heard in our democracy. No, it doesn't. You're a liar. So you're not even allowed to ask people to demonstrate that they're American citizens to vote? Ladies and gentlemen, you know what's going on here. On the one hand, you're not allowed to question fraud in an election unless you concoct a Russia collusion or whatever to attack Trump or any other Republican. But the Democrats fight viciously, obsessively, to destroy all the protections that are in place in our voting system. Since when did it become discriminatory to ask people if they're American citizens and to demonstrate it? Since when is that a liability to American citizens voting? It's not. So what's the issue? The issue is the Democrats rely on a certain percentage of the vote to be fraudulent in order to win. That's right, I said it. How else can you explain this? How else can you explain this? You can't. 
The law also violates the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Oh, is that right? By requiring election officials to reject voter registration forms based on minor errors, officials said. Minor errors? Are you an American citizen? Well, okay, vote this provisional ballot, you know. The Attorney General of Arizona, who's a good guy, have endorsed him for the Senate. He said he would fight the lawsuit. I will once again be in court defending Arizona against the lawlessness of the Biden administration, he said. Now, the article goes on, because it's written uh, by Reuters, to trash those who dare to question the 2020 election. Because as we all know, it's the only election in American history where there was no fraud. Despite the fact it had the least amount of protections against fraud of any national election in modern history. Just just accept your fate, folks. That's it. Don't raise any questions. They can raise questions about Trump, about Bush. They can raise questions about this election or that election. They can try and have substitute electors and all the rest. But if you open your mouth, you're going to lose your job or you might even get prosecuted. So they sue over what Reuters calls restrictive voting requirements. Are you a citizen? None of your damn business. Okay, that's a restrictive voting requirement. Your Department of Justice is very, very busy. Now, of course, they're also defending Joe Biden and his violations of immigration laws. His violations of Title IX and women's sports. But it's of no consequence. Here you go. Just the news. Rape, extortion, deaths. Migrants paying inhumane price to reach Joe Biden's open border. Where's the Department of Justice? It's supposed to have a role in enforcing our federal laws. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's doing nothing except defending Biden and attacking again any law that's in place that would stem the tide of illegal immigration, including crooks and criminals coming into this country, including fentanyl. You talk about mass murder, 110 thousand deaths the chinese manufacture it they give it to the mexican drug cartels who bring it into the united states and what are the civil rights division of the justice department doing suing arizona because it wants to know if you're a citizen before you vote now we know last week 53 illegal immigrants boiled to death in the back of a sweltering truck that smuggled them across the Texas border. That's a toll far greater than Buffalo, Uvalde, and this latest mass murder combined. Well, before that atrocity, Sheriff Mark Lamb witnessed an extraordinary piece of evidence that convinced him of the inhumanity of Joe Biden's open border. It was a plastic baggie stuffed in the shirt of young migrant woman caught by his deputies wandering wandering through uh, uh, Arizona she had a baggie full of pills Lamb recounted and so we started saying hey what are the pills for and she says look when I was going across the border I knew I'd get raped multiple times these are morning after pills the 
those of you who have a Democrat representative in the House, so-called moderate, they've done nothing about this. They say nothing about this. Because they're not moderates. They're party apparatchiks who pretend to be moderates in order to attract your vote. Her answer, and the fact that the baggie was already missing some pills, was enough that even the most grizzled of law enforcement veterans painfully aware that the open border Biden has ushered into existence over 18 months ago has lured hundreds of thousands of illegal migrants on perilous treks in the hands of criminal cartels for which rape, extortion, indentured slavery, and deadly journeys inside sweltering trucks or along raging river waters have become the price of admission. Women are being raped on a daily basis. Kids are being used as drug pawns. Men are being extorted, Lamb told Just the News in a recent interview. Like when, as Americans, does this become acceptable, acceptable because it suits your politics? The real humanitarian issue is what the cartels are doing to human beings on a daily basis. It has to stop, said Sheriff Lamb. Lamb's anguish is shared by congressmen, governors, counselors, and Border Patrol agents whose stories of alarm are often drowned out by a media far more interested in abortion and the January 6th hearings. Brandon Judd, president of the union that represents Border Patrol agents, said the 53 deaths in the back of a semi-trailer in San Antonio is emblematic of a daily death toll his colleagues witness but don't always see reported. The problem has just gotten worse month over month, Judd told the Just the News. And now we're seeing deaths and a lot of deaths. Sorrow has increasingly turned to rage as border politicians seek to hold Biden and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas accountable for luring hundreds of thousands of migrants into a most inhumane journey north of America's border in the hands of criminal cartels. With that journey comes millions of smuggled pills laced with deadly levels of fentanyl that last year helped kill a record 107,000 Americans from overdoses and poisonings. These drug cartels, the border policies of Biden, have created this syndicate down there where human life means absolutely nothing, where somebody can just leave 50 people in the back of a truck in 100-degree-plus weather just to die in bear country in the middle of Texas, in San Antonio, said Representative Brian Babin, a Texas Republican. The best brands that the cartels have in America is Joe Biden and Alejandro Moriarcus, Babin said. They are part and party to human trafficking. Sex trafficking and drug trafficking, you name it. It is open season on our Border Patrol and on our ranchers, on our property owners. They simply have abrogated their commitments and their oath of office to protect and enforce the constitutional laws of the United States. So where's the Department of Justice? Well, the vast majority of resources, like never before in American history, are tracking down 65-year-old men and women who may have set foot on the Capitol grounds and paraded and trespassed without a permit 
on January 6th. They're certainly not busy protecting our justices, and they're certainly not busy arresting protesters in violation of federal law or threatening our justices. And so to pull this all together, here's the Epic Times. Attorneys claim the Department of Justice government's manufacturing evidence to charge and incarcerate January 6th prisoners. As January 6th prisoners continue to languish in jail without trials. Do you believe this? They're still in jail without bond and in subhuman conditions. Two January 6th attorneys are claiming the government is manufacturing evidence to arrest and incarcerate them. Louis Gomert says the government's also hiding evidence that could possibly exonerate some of them. This isn't the first time Democrats have manufactured evidence to support their allegations in a legal proceeding. July 2018, the infamous Steele dossier was revealed to be little more than a lie funded by Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC to obtain a warrant to spy on former Trump campaign volunteer Carter Page and derail Trump's campaign. During a September 26, 2019 Intelligence Committee hearing, Adam Schiff read a fabricated transcript of a phone call between former President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. When he was caught, he claimed it was a parody. During the first impeachment trial in February 2021, Representative Eric Swalwell used a photoshopped version of a Twitter post Trump retweeted about supporters quote-unquote, fighting for the country to make it seem more ominous. After being caught on being forced to admit they doctored a text message between Representative Jim Jordan and former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows during the December 2021 January 6 hearings, and also excluded content about how they had wanted former Vice President Mike Pence to handle electoral votes during the joint session of Congress. Jordan further opined that their statement saying, we regret the errors, really government speak for we got caught lying. And it goes on. Joseph McBride, an attorney from multiple January 6 prisoners and defendants, is certain the government's manipulating evidence. In terms of attorneys, McBride told Epic Times, I'm probably the most outspoken attorney in the United States of America who's representing January 6 defendants. He said he has five going on six criminal defendants related to January 6th and three civil rights cases. He also represented five January 6th defendants before the January 6th committee. And considering the death of his involvement, McBride believes he's far and away the most eligible and outspoken attorney among those attached to the January 6th legal battles. He says, you're not allowed to punish a pretrial detainee in the United States because you're innocent until proven guilty. It is only after you've been convicted of a crime or plead through a crime that you can be punished for a crime. Punishment for a crime is deprivation of freedom. My clients and others like them have been brutally assaulted. They've been locked away in cells for months at a time. They've been denied medical care and have had their human rights, their civil rights, their constitutional rights violated by the staff of the D.C. Gulag, by the staff at the Northern Neck Jail because they have been greenlighted by the Biden machine to harm anybody who showed up at the Capitol on January 6th to speak out about the election results. It is unconstitutional. It is immoral. It is un-American. It is wrong. And there these damn judges in Washington, D.C. sit on their fat asses because they wear black robes 
and allow this to occur. Says the Department of Justice policy only allows the government to make public comments about matters that are already a matter of public record. So he's filed complaints. They run in excess of 20, 30, 40, even 50 pages long. But no public comment from the Department of Justice. And another attorney, January 6th attorney Bill Shipley, is equally convinced the government is manufacturing evidence to support a narrative. He has called into question the validity of photo and video screenshots, so-called evidence used in three of his cases, two of them. Well, three of his cases. Then it goes on. That's how American citizens are treated. You want to vote and somebody asks you if you're a citizen. That obviously violates the 1964 Civil Rights Act, you see. The Democrat Party is corrupt. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C. and the Attorney General of the United States are politicized beyond redemption. And this is the situation. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Can you imagine a radio station 100 years old? WABC is 100 years old. So is our Richmond affiliate, 100 years old. You know, when the radio system started, uh, the federal government wanted to have as much of the country covered as possible. So you have a relative handful of AM stations that are considered these, these historic, these first of stations. And they're all over the country. Or they're in a uh, strategic place in various parts of the country. And these stations are the oldest stations in the country. Some of them are 100 years old. Some of them not quite 100, but pretty old. But WABC is one of them. Our Richmond, excuse me, our uh, affiliate in Rochester, New York, is another one. WHAM, it's a great affiliate. We have WBAP in Dallas. That's another one. Um, there's a station in Albany that's one, but you can go around the country. Detroit, our affiliate there, and some of the others. And um, this is because 100 years ago, 80 years ago, they wanted to make sure, particularly in cases of potential emergency, that the word can get out. Now we have God knows how many radio stations and even more radio programs. The competition is enormous. It's enormous. So when a station succeeds or when its lineup or hosts succeed, it's a big deal. I mean, in New York alone, you have over 50 stations in every type of format possible. Same with the other big cities. But the goal is so you at night, as an example, you can adjust in the like in the old days, your antenna on your radio and you could pick up a station with 100,000 watts or some of them with 50,000 watts. That's why they have 100,000 or 50,000 watts. I'll be right back. 
Mark Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Why limit it to the English-speaking world, Mr. Producer? My guest this Sunday, I know it's a few days away, that I'm excited about. On Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, will be General David Petraeus for the first half of the program. The second half will be Bill Malusian down on the border. I feel there's issues going on here that need to be covered more thoroughly. Russia is making headway in Ukraine. Russia continues to nuclear saber rattle. Russia is now threatening Poland and other Eastern European countries. This is a big deal. You've got to ignore what the Putinoids are saying. They have no idea what's going on. They don't even listen to what Putin says. They don't even report on what Putin says. And then we have Joe Biden. As I said, day late and a billion dollars short. And please don't be sucked into these arguments. Well, what about our border? Why are we worried about their border? Uh, Folks, Joe Biden's going to keep our border open no matter what goes on overseas. The only thing that's going to change it is an election. Well, but about the price of fuel, don't buy Joe Biden's argument that it's Russia. It's Joe Biden. Price of fuel was going up. Inflation was going up. It's their policies. They must be held to account and defeated and crushed. But the Ukrainian people deserve our support. They're being slaughtered. Their women are being raped. Their children are being raped. There were more heinous crimes going on by the Russian military against the Ukrainian people than you can imagine. They're shipping many of them out of Ukraine into Russia. This is a tactic that Stalin used. It's a tactic that Hitler used. They say they're just going to settle them. No, they turn them into slave labor. And the women are just brutalized beyond belief. We can't just turn the other cheek. We can't just cover our eyes to this. Pretend it's none of our business. We have allies. Allies. Their business is our business. Our business is their business when it comes to national security. That's how we remain safe. We have allies in the Middle East who are being threatened by Iran. Iran is now an ally of China and Russia and North Korea. China is building a military that is beyond explanation. It's got base of the world. They're not just worried about the South China Sea and they have they've built an armada a navy that has over a hundred ships more than we do now. They have 1.4 billion people. We don't even have the point four. And under this phony commander-in-chief and this Congress that distracts us with the January 6th committee that distracts us 
by undermining our economy and the media. It's just a, it's, it's a huge problem. I want to talk to Petraeus about what's happening there. And Bill Malusian is the really the only pretty much full-time reporter on the border. And the horrific inhumanity that's taking place as a result of Joe Biden's policies. These things need to be explained as they are. The horrific inhumanity. The brutality as a result of Biden and the Democrat Party's policies. It is, it is horrendous. And what's coming into our country and killing our people, fentanyl and so forth, it is horrendous. The overwhelming of our law enforcement, the overwhelming of the Border Patrol, the overwhelming of ICE, defunding them through the back door, as I say. So I want to try and help refocus millions and millions of people on some of these issues. I've talked a lot about the economy. Unfortunately, it's not going to get much better anytime soon. All right, let's go to where the callers. Laura, High Point, North Carolina, XM Satellite. How are you, Laura? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to speak with you again. I spoke with you uh, back in September, and uh, you had sent me a copy of your book, which uh, I have read and greatly appreciated. But uh, this evening, uh, my call is regarding what I call Biden economics. Like, my question is, what can we do as a country to, like, make sure that this doesn't happen again I'm 47 years old, and I've never, you know, paid this much for gas, going to the grocery store. I work two jobs. And back in November of 2019, I listened to you that evening, and I'll never forget what you said. If you guys do not get to these polls, do not vote, you know, do not let Biden win or vote them in because we are going to suffer through inflation, and here we are. And... Mm -hmm. I get involved with, I help out with the Board of Elections locally, and I'm like, what else can I do? Like, this is just, it's Well, just the only thing you can do is vote and make sure family members vote and make sure uh, friends vote for conservatives, not just Republicans, for conservatives. Whenever you can, wherever you can, school board, local prosecutors, state assembly, state senate, governors, senators, congressmen, whatever it is. Put people through the test. That is what you have to do. And also look out for your own situation in your own life. Uh, Each of us as individuals can contribute to trying to pull the country back from the brink. But in our own lives, we have to make sure we don't fall into the precipice. And so are the abyss. So you got to look at your situations, whether it's your mortgage rate, whether it's your credit card rate. Uh, where your pension plan is, you know, most of us have 401ks or IRAs. You got to look at this and you got to take care of the uh, the home front as much as you possibly can. And you don't have to be a conspiracy nut. You know, make sure you have bottles of water. Make sure you have some cans of food because there are going to be brownouts and blackouts. If not this year, next year or the year after. It's happening in some states and it has happened. 
So you got to prepare yourselves, you know, flashlights and batteries. Again, I'm not trying to to say that you got to you got to, you know, dig a hole and climb into it. But I am saying things are different and things are going to continue to be different until we take back the reins of power and not with a Romney type or Chris Christie type or not with these never Trumpers like a Liz Cheney or somebody like that with real leaders, real statesmen and real people who understand this country. That's the best I can tell you. You know, very, very well said, very well said. And I, uh, I agree with it 110%. And well. I look back on, you know, when my grandmother, you know, used to, when she, you know, was growing, when I was growing up, would help her can food. And back then I'm like, why is she doing this? And then now I, I now I know why. Ask, ask, the, ask the women and their women who gave birth to little babies and need baby formula. Ask them. What's it like not having baby formula? It's, Some it's women terrible. can't nurse the baby. Or they have twins or triplets. Or there's a medical issue. Or God knows what. Did you ever think we'd run out of baby formula in this country? No, never. I mean, Did you ever I, think I, we I, would run out of fertilizer in this country? No. Well, no. things are happening. And they're going to get worse before they get better. As a result of this nut in the Oval Office and his absolutely pathetic party, the Democrat Party. Lara, I want to thank you for your call. It's always a pleasure. There are more calls, and I will take more calls when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rama, Huntersville, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, please. Hey, Mark. It's an honor to speak with you. I listened to you, you on Sunday on Fox News, and I'm a listener for over five years. I love you to wow. death. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So now my question is, you were bringing up Ukraine. So mm-hmm. where is all that billions and billions and billions of dollars going? There's no accountability. They keep asking for more. He keeps sending more. What's going on with that money? Is it even going into anybody's hands? Where well, is war is very expensive. Part of the money, I don't agree with them passing, about $10 billion worth. And most conservatives who voted for it don't. But in order to get the other $30 billion, it goes towards ammunition. It goes towards fuel. It goes towards uh, building an army. Ukraine is 44 million people. They're up against 160, 170 million. They're up against a war machine in Russia that's been built over a hundred years. Ukraine really didn't have a war machine, didn't really have this massive military to speak of. It has to buy this stuff to the extent it can buy it as well. So when you think about that, you can understand the cost and what's involved. Will there be waste, fraud, and abuse? You better believe it as there is in the United States to the tune of about a quarter of a trillion dollars, or as there was during World War II, or as there was during the Civil War. So there's no question about that. I'm not a Pollyanna when it comes to that, but there's no question also that most of the money is, in fact, going towards armaments and equipment and uh, fuel and, uh, and, and, and feeding and supplying an army. Uh, so it's very, very expensive. They didn't really have a massive infrastructure for this. Can I say something else? Can I ask you something By else? By all means. Real quick? 
Yes. Okay. Well, one more question. Would you be able to uh, maybe another program? Can you go over those food processing plants catching fires and all these shenanigans going on all around the country? Would you be able to cover that? I think we can take a look at it. Didn't I talk about that once, Mr. Reducer, like a month ago? Yeah, a month or three weeks ago. But I'll, I'll look back. I'll take a look. Yes. Yes, some coincidence. Thank you for your call, my friend. Let us continue, shall we? Yes, we can. John, San Diego, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, uh, Mark, I'm just looking over here on this Fox News website, and it says Soros Takeover. He's buying um, he's buying Radio Mamba, and conservative radio star Lourdes Ubieta is going to quit. She quits the iconic Radio Mamba ahead of sales. This is a radio station in the heart of the Miami area that is conservative, fairly conservative. She's fairly conservative, pro um, the patriots who challenged Castro and many of whom had to flee as refugees to the United States. Soros is taking that station, turning it inside out into one of his Marxist stations to push his agenda. He's done this with eight or ten stations uh, in the FCC. They're trying to get approval, and they're getting approval, I think. And this is their plan to try and hold on to their Hispanic base. But I hope people understand, and I think they do, in these communities that Soros and these people are the enemy. That they support the ideologies of governments they fled, and that they're undermining our own country, the country to which they fled. And this is a battle we're up to up against, and this is why I have this American Marxism in Spanish. I hope it does some good. I don't know, but if people are hearing me and they're bilingual, or if you speak English only and you understand what, that there are people out there who don't, let's, let's get this to them. It's in paperback. So I appreciate your call. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker brothers and sisters, the men and women in Ukraine who are trying to defend themselves, and you. You fantastic patriots. Thank you for being here. I'll see you tomorrow.